It's good to be with you all this morning, church. I have the opposite problem of Pastor Eddie, and I need to take my, put my glasses on to see you and take my glasses off to read my Bible, but I'll, I'll, I'll make it work throughout today's message. If I've never met you before, my name's Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we are excited to be continuing our series called Christmas Worship, where we're looking at carols that we sing year after year and looking at the scriptures and the stories behind them so that our hope is that as we sing them, uh, our, our love for God uh, will be deepened and the songs will be more meaningful as we sing them and we think about what it is that we're actually singing. And so today we're looking at a carol that uh, most of us have heard called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And we're going to see some of the history behind this song and we're going to see the peace of Christ and the humility of Christ, uh, which John Wesley wrote of from the scriptures. And so uh, I want to get started by telling you a little bit about the history of this song. This song was written uh, in 1739 by Charles Wesley. Uh, him and his brother, John, were uh, the, the ones that brought us the Methodist movement and uh, a great movement in their generation of disciple-making happened uh, as they led churches in England and the United States. And uh, Charles Wesley actually wrote over 8,000 hymns and carols, and uh, he wrote this song two years before it was published. And he sat down like he did as his habit to have his quiet time in the morning, and during his quiet time, he penned the words, Hark how all the welkin rings. Glory to the King of Kings. Now, question this morning, who, before I just said this word, Welkin, right now, who has actually heard of or knows that word? Anyone in Grace Bible Church? Anyone? Wow, we're, we're, we're 100% none of us. Um, it's an old English word that actually means heaven. And so uh, he wrote, hark the herald, heaven rings, glory to the King of Kings. And George Whitfield, who was his college friend and a contemporary pastor and evangelist uh, to him in the 18th century, 15 years later, he took this carol uh, that Charles had written, and he changed that word from Welkin to Angels, which is what we have today. And he published it uh, in a book of hymns for, for worship. And what was interesting is these two college friends, it actually started a debate between them. Uh, George was a more charismatic person and a very dramatic preacher. And Charles was a more studied uh, person. And he felt that the word angels didn't fully communicate what Luke uh, was, was saying in the Gospel of Luke. And so I'm going to read some of the verses from the Gospel of Luke for us now and just listen, and uh, a few of them are going to come up at the end. I'm actually going to start a little before the verses that I brought up on the screen. This is the Christmas story in Luke 2. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then we get to the verses that this song is about, where it says in verse 13, 
And suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so this word host that was with the angel in the scriptures, it it refers to three different things. A host referred to angels. Uh, It also referred to the Israelites and believers at times throughout the Old Testament. And there was multiple instances in the scripture where hosts referred to the stars. And so the original author, as he penned this carol for us, his picture of what was happening in Luke was with this angel, the stars were shining to praise uh, the birth of Christ, and other believers appeared and were praising the birth of Christ, and angels filled the sky. And so it was this combination of all three of these hosts. Uh, And of course, as Whitfield wrote it, he just simplified it and said angels. Now, who was there in that moment? Only God and those that were there really know. We'll find out maybe when we're in heaven. But whatever image that we picture, it is a picture that glory is being brought to God because of the birth of Christ. And angels came forth to praise the birth of Christ. And possibly as well, it was a dramatic picture with all those believers that had gone before uh, in the heavenly hosts praising him. So that was one interesting uh, thing uh, about how this song modified over time in our, in our current way that we sing it. Then about 100 years later, in 1855, a gentleman by the name of William Cummings, he modified the song again. And uh, he had studied under a gentleman named Felix Mendelssohn, who you might be familiar wrote Mid- Midsummer Night's Dream. And Mendelssohn had written a song in tribute to Gutenberg, who is the one who brought us the the printed Bible that we have today. He's the one that made it possible for the Bible to be brought to all of us so that we could have a copy in our hands. And Mendelssohn had written this song, this melody in tribute to him. And his student, Cummings, took that melody that Mendelssohn had written and he combined it with these lyrics that Wesley had written and the song took the form that it is today. And so it was interesting how all these different people over a hundred years brought us a song in the form that we sing it today. And, and it took someone who was writing lyrics to praise the work of someone who brought us the printed Bible and Wesley writing lyrics to praise what was happening in Luke 2. And we're left with this carol that, that took off in 1855. And it was published in a hymnal. And then it was published in multiple denominations. And within 10 years later, after 1855, it was a carol that was being sung around the world that we still sing today. And so you can bring that carol up on the screen. We sang it right now before this message. And it's a beautiful song that we sing to bring glory to God. And there are several scriptures that are part of what this carol is bringing attention to. And one of the lines that stands out to me is this, one of these first lines that says, Peace on earth and mercy mild. Peace on earth and mercy mild. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, maybe it's just me, but this time of year, peace seems so much more tangible. 
not that it's easy for us to have peace, but I know that I long to grasp it. We long to grasp peace. And it seems to me every December that it's just there at our fingertips for the taking. The music everywhere we go for the season, the lights that are lit up, the baking that makes us add 15 pounds, the family get-togethers, the gifts that we buy for loved ones, the cards that we write and sign to send updates of our family to loved ones, to show appreciation and thankfulness. All these things are something that we could turn secular, but really they're meant to bring attention to the one that's given us everything, to our creator, to show thanks, to bring praise to how we live throughout the rest of the year, that the birth of Christ, our redeemer, is what makes our life possible. Where would we be without him? Where would we be without God? Though our hearts are troubled, he wants to give us peace. And how does he offer us peace? Well, as Wesley wrote, through his gentle mercy. Mercy is us not getting what we deserve. And mild is gentleness. It's something that is not easily provoked. God offers us a gentle mercy. Oftentimes, I don't think about mercy. I'm much more prone to organize my life around justice. Justice is getting what you deserve. I'm, I'm mostly focused in a, in a world organized by justice. And I know that because of my self-justifying behavior. If I'm late, there's usually a justifiable reason. For anything, I can think of an explanation as to why things are. But every once in a while, I'm caught off guard by my lack of explanation and just realizing that I'm simply at other people's mercy. And when I find myself at the mercy of others, I say to myself, I hope, I hope, I hope they have mercy on me. I wait to see what happens, and I hope that individual responds with mercy and not with justice, because I don't long for justice in those moments. And as Wesley wrote these lyrics from the scriptures, that the peace of Christ rule in our world, in our hearts, peace on earth, and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's the unexpected part about our Messiah's birth, about Christmas, that God came to earth as a baby. No one expected him to come as a helpless, vulnerable baby. The expectation from the Old Testament and our expectation would have been that he would have come as the ruling, powerful king. And yet Jesus came into our world first as a baby. He assumed our, my vulnerability so that he could be the answer to our vulnerability. He embodied our need for mercy, for someone to care for him in his infancy before he became God's very expression of mercy to us, atoning for our weaknesses and our need. In the shadow of the cradle is a cross that assures me every year as I sing this song at Christmas that I know, that I know, that I know that I have God's mercy. 
And that's the peace that God wants to offer us through his scripture. And the peace that we sing of when we sing this song and we say, peace on earth. Peace on earth because of God's mercy. So the question I want to ask you this morning, church, is where do you need to accept the mercy of Christ today? I'll give more time at the end of this sermon, and I hope throughout this week you take more time to reflect on this question. We often can be too busy, or for many other reasons, guilt, fear, to just pause and remember that whatever we're struggling with, wherever we've fallen short, wherever we're weak, that the mercy of God awaits to give us peace, to give us forgiveness. He wants to grant us that, and he wants us to be granters of it to others. And the follow-up question is always, who do you need to extend mercy to? Who is it that God has placed in your life right now that just like you is weak, just like you can fall short, and we can be like Christ and give his mercy to? And so that when somebody's wondering, I hope, I hope, I hope they show mercy. That we actually have the opportunity to be the manifestation of Christ to others in our kindness. All of us can get caught off guard from moment to moment. But when we're truly trying to abide in the spirit, that's how we want to live as Christians. And of course, if we don't meet others with mercy in that moment, we can ask for forgiveness and go back later. But we want to try to be those that are merciful. So we know that mild Mild mercy is how we have peace. Another uh, line that stands out in the song is later on where he says, Mild he lays his glory by. Mild Christ lays his glory by. See, when Christ was born and God became man, He came to save us as sinners, but in saving us and in living the life that he lived before us, recorded in the scriptures, he also gave us an example to follow. Philippians 2, verses 4 through 11 say, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth. In heaven and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. We know from the New Testament, we know from this passage and so many others, that Christ lived a humble life. Christ gave himself up for us. And he was a model of how we should live. Just like Wesley penned. He laid 
his glory by? How can we live in the same way? How can we lay down our glory, like Jesus, give up our rights and our privileges? As he entered the world, follow his example. Follow his encouragement to become servants to others. And so the other question I want to ask us this morning is, like Christ, who can you humble yourself this Christmas season to serve? Who can you humble yourself this Christmas season to serve? It's amazing this song was brought to us by so many different men that are part of the history of Christianity. And I love reading these stories about all these different famous men and women that have gone before us because it reminds me of our time now here at Grace Bible Church. Our time here in our city, in our families, in our workplaces. And it makes me wonder, what will God do through us? They were part of starting this amazing disciple-making movement in their generation, just writing songs to glorify God that we still sing today in the scriptures, that draw our hearts back to who God is and what he's done for us. And I wonder what he will do through us. How many great songs of praise may be written by us in this church? Or how many churches may we start as believers, as followers of God, as elders and disciples following him? How many uh, ministries or missions might be birthed out of this church? There's been so many, and how many more? How many God-honoring businesses May God bring about in our community through the people of this church. How many children will be raised to know the Lord and follow him and raise their children to do wonderful things? It was amazing reading the story of the Wesley's parents and how, how they poured their life into their kids and gave them a great education. And even at an early age, uh, Wesley had opportunities to study uh, in some great places. He studied at Oxford, and people saw uh, his talent. And a man who did not have any children, a very wealthy man in England, approached him and said, I'd like to basically pass on uh, my inheritance to you. And as a young man, he thought about it and actually rejected the offer. And it would have meant uh, a lot of commitment because this was one of the wealthiest men in England. And he freed himself of that commitment uh, to just follow what God had put on his heart. And I think, wow, wow, to, to, to have such an offer and to pass it up. And we may not have this hymn that we sing today if he wouldn't have been so courageous to pass that up. And I thought, would I, would I have passed that up? Would you pass that up? And we're faced with similar choices, though maybe that's not the choice that we're going to walk out of here today with. We're faced with many, many choices every single day. And a choice to follow in our heart what, where God is leading us or to just simply look for worldly comfort. And I wonder what amazing things God might do through us. So as we sing this, this carol in a few minutes, let's remember that the peace of Christ and the call to humility is where God leads us. One of my family's favorite traditions at Christmas is to watch a movie called It's a Wonderful Life. And if you're familiar with this story, it's the story of George Bailey. And George repeatedly, I won't 
tell you every detail, because if you've never seen it, you need, you need to watch this movie. But repeatedly, he's called to lay down his life to serve others. And he gets to a place at the end where he's just so frustrated. He's questioning if he even wants to live. And God sends an angel named Clarence to him. Uh, who's trying to get his wings. I don't know if that's really true or not, but that's what happens in the story. And Clarence is trying to get his wings and trying to encourage George. And finally, by the end of this uh, movie, by the end of this story, he's able to see all the impact his life has had, every decision he's made to serve his family and his community. He's able to see the good that God's done from it. And even though he's facing going to prison uh, through some circumstances, he doesn't even care. And he bursts out singing with his family, hark the herald, angels sing. Church, you may find yourself this Christmas full of many things to be grateful for, but we also find ourselves in life with problems just like George Bailey. And I hope that we can remember the mercy of Christ for our problems as he longs to meet us in those and that we can extend that mercy to others because when we accept God's mercy and when we give God's mercy to others, we put a smile on God's face. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it does wonderful things to help us praise you and glorify you. We thank you for this carol that reminds us of the peace that you offer us and that reminds us of the hope that you offer us. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray that as we go out singing this carol today, that you would humble our hearts and bring us peace and mercy where we need it. That we would see how deeply you love us and be your vessels. If there's anyone this morning, Father, if it's never understood before, the depths of your love for them, I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would call out to you and receive your gift of love and forgiveness. And I pray, Lord Jesus, as we sing this song, as we go out, that you help us reflect on your mercy in every area of our life and be gifters of your mercy to everyone pray these things in your name and everyone in grace said, amen. Let's sing together.